a new episode of the Access Vikings podcast, Mailbag Edition. I'm joined by Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune at TCO Performance Center, where we're going to answer your questions covering all things Vikings. Let's start from Mike, wants to know. Not, thank you for waving, Ben. Yeah, just, you know, part, um, of the, part of the custom. Mike K. wants to know, as things stand today, how much would you rank cornerback to be an organizational need? Vikings have a lot of young guys that seem to be playing fairly well, but it's hard to suss out um, the credit between them and Flores. Haven't seen Mike K. much lately. He you used to see him at <laughs> Apple Valley a lot when he was looking at Tyus and Trey Jones, but haven't seen him much lately. <laughs> yeah, it's nice of the old Duke coach to, yeah. to ask. I didn't yeah. know he's a big Vikings fan. Apparently. He's a big football fan. He's a big Bears guy. So it might be scouting the <laughs> NFC North. It seems, seems possible. Um, how, how much – how do you – well, just I guess starting, how would you evaluate the corners and where they're at with that group? Well, I mean, they've played better – then I think we would have expected. Is that because the corners are playing well or because the defense has helped them by either forcing quarterbacks, quarterbacks to get rid of the ball quickly or doing so under duress more often than they otherwise would? Um, I think overall um, they've been better, but I, I would hesitate to say that it's like problem solved there because you still – haven't played that many great quarterbacks with this thing. Um, if they go into Cincinnati in a month and stand up to that def- or that offense with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, et cetera, um, that would be one thing. I I would not say it's like completely fixed. I, and the fact that they have shuttled things around between Booth and Blackman too. I think they're still trying to figure the combos out there. I was going to ask you about that because the timing of it was when they were, I believe, one and four. Yeah. I believe it was right after the Chiefs lost because um, that was the game that Evans got hurt in Blackman, the Chiefs game, where Blackman came in, played a lot, and then suddenly the following week he didn't play at all. Yep. And it was Booth in Chicago, I believe, yes. that ended up playing. And then he played again the following week against San Francisco. Um, it just almost seemed like to me like they're – to do that at one and four, I'm reading between the tea leaves here. It's not something I've been told, but it just seemed to me like, yeah, that that was the point of like, well, we better start evaluating what we got yeah. in this room because yes, Makai's shown some things, but we don't know what we have in Andrew Booth because he hadn't played up until yeah. that point. Yeah, and the, and he got the one game where he was in there quite a bit, and it's, I mean, really, the other piece of this is they don't play three and four corners a lot if they're in nickel. They're usually on the field with three safeties. I mean, Josh Metellus is effectively the the nickel corner a lot of times, or you know, they move him around a lot. But they play him in the slot a fair amount, and he's usually on the field one way. I mean, I would say their base defense is a nickel package with Josh Metellus in it. I mean, if I was going to pick a a package that's their base defense, that's what I would say. So you don't get as much of a look at Booth or Blackman because they just don't use three corners that yeah, much. by design, yeah. Right. Yeah. And and maybe that tells you something about that they feel some reservations about those guys. Maybe it tells you, hey, we just think Josh Patelis is is this good. And I, I frankly think that's a valid take. He's been awfully good. But we don't really get a great sense to evaluate the whole picture there just because of the way that they use the corners and the way that they haven't been tested a whole lot to this point. Yeah, I think a Caleb Evans is the only one that we've gotten a long yeah. 
evaluation of yeah, other, than the, my, other than Murphy. Yeah, well, yeah, of the, of the young guys. Right. Um, and it's been kind of, I think, what we expected in terms of he showed flashes last year being a strong tackler as a rookie, very hard-nosed, you know, to the point where he had to correct it. <laughs> so hard-nosed that he was hurting his head. Um, and you've seen some of that, which is what they need with Flores in terms of playing far back and tackling underneath. Like, that's been a good fit. What I don't know is can he press and cover man-to-man can he, you know, we didn't see that against Keenan Allen. We actually saw the opposite um, from him and Byron Murphy, frankly. So, yeah, I think it. the question from Mike here, from Mr. Krzyzewski, is very legitimate. Yeah. Um, in terms of, because he says it's like it's hard to parse it between Flores and, you know, the, the design of their defense is such where, like, you're not going to find out much about their corners because they don't, it seems like they don't want to. Right. Yeah, it's... Um... <laughs> You know they they have done a good job with Steve Wojcikowski slapping the floor and saying hey, we got a D up here and um, you know it's you haven't put the corners in a lot of tests because of yeah. that. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan, the passion, the hope, the anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. All right. Um, do you, Well, I guess to frame it another way, too, do you think they've found um, many potential solutions at all moving forward? Because... I don't even know. Byron Murphy said moments he had another um, another big play on Sunday, uh, another interception. So I believe he's got two this year um, for the Vikings. Do you think that he has shown much in that veteran leadership role as that number one corner? Well, I mean, there have been flashes, but I don't think he's been terrific either. Um, he's had some moments where he's gotten picked on a little bit, and I think there's a lot to be determined with that group overall. It, it's not something where I would say, oh, that's that's not a need in the spring because they've got three young corners in addition to Byron Murphy that they can just roll forward with. I Maybe they'll have that indicator by the end of the year, but I wouldn't – I don't know that I would say that right now. Um, here's a question from Neil, buddy from London, wants to know, if Jaron Hall had been available to practice this week, do you think he would have gotten the start versus the Saints? So – Theoretically, if this were an injury that wouldn't have kept Hall out of practice right away, um, my it also wouldn't have kept him out of the game. Possibly. Well, let's I mean, say it was something that led to the quarterback yeah. switching the game, but then he was available in a quick alternate university. You want us to live in here, Neil? Turnaround. I I would I would say no. I think I think Josh's performance is the first thing Kevin O'Connell cited when talking about him starting, and I think a game like that is such a rallying moment for a team that. Uh, no, you got to go with the hot yeah. hand, right? Yeah, it would be hard to to move off of him at this point. I I think it. I mean, say Hall leaves with um a, a calf strain. That's kind of the the innocuous injury that I usually use. Um, say it's that, and he could still practice this week. I think he'd still go with Dobbs, like for the reasons that you stated. I mean, it and there's so much a like. This is going to sound more simplistic than I mean it to, but they're—I'm not even going to say it that way. They—they they pay a lot of attention to how things are received in the room, and this idea that some level of 
unquantifiable culture, goodwill stuff will help carry them through, it would seem a little weird to have Josh Dobbs do that and then say, no, nah, we're, we're sending him down. I, I think you have to kind of roll with it and, and ride the momentum as best you can for now. Especially, I mean, when you, when you don't have your starting quarterback, if you have ways to have some forward momentum, like don't don't take that for granted. Yeah, yeah don't mess it, it up. Yeah. This could turn very quickly at any point. Uh, Ron wants to know, with the improved play of the Vikings offensive line, what is holding back the running game so much? A few years ago, Dalvin Cook was hurt for several games, and we remember Alexander Madison stepping in and, and being effective. Um, now it's still Madison and theoretically a better offensive line with O'Neal, Derisaw. So what's going on with the run game, John wants to know. Yeah, I mean, they, I think, are still – I mean, I wonder just – how much of a difference from wide zone to more mid zone stuff is is not as compatible with Madison as they would have thought? I mean, and you you've pointed this out, I think, a little bit. They, I mean, they play Madison more in the zone stuff, but when they've gone to gap stuff, it's been Cam Akers, and it's been, hey, let's let's use the guy that we think is a little bit better at hitting stuff downhill. Um, who is that guy now? Is it Ty Chandler? I mean, I, I think that would be a possible fit. I mean, the the runs that we've seen in the preseason from him that are good, it's, he's typically hitting it downhill. Yeah. So um, maybe it's some of it's on the back. I mean, I, I think the group overall has played better. A lot of that's been pass protection, though. Yeah, we just heard O'Connell say some of it is we need to hit the hole. Yeah. He, he said that today at the presser. Yeah, so. yeah. So I would be really, really interested to know um, – and maybe we'll get a chance to find this out after the season. But is there any buyer's remorse with the Madison thing in terms of saying this is going to be our guy? I don't know that they would have done it differently with Dalvin Cook. I think the way Dalvin Cook – the way some of the things went last season with how runs set up when he was in the backfield, they weren't going to look at him and say, yes, you're coming back at this price. I, I just don't think it would have been Dalvin Cook. I wonder if they would have given themselves other options. May, you know, maybe it's somebody in the middle of the draft a little more than Dwayne McBride. And maybe that's the solution. I just wonder if they will look back at that and say, you know, we, it would have been a good idea to have a few more possibilities here. And maybe some of that is Wong Wu not being. Well, and to your point about buyer's remorse, looking back on it, I remember Alex telling me at the start of the season that before he signed with the Vikings, um, it was basically the Lions and the Vikings being in on both um, Madison and Montgomery. And it was Montgomery who signed with the Lions that led to the domino of Madison signing with the Vikings. So the Vikings might have been in on Montgomery more than Madison, and then that was what triggered them to eventually sign Madison when they couldn't get Montgomery. Do you you remember at all when Montgomery signed in relation to the start of free agency? Because Madison signed back with the Vikings, like I think it was like an hour or two into the – it was that, that Wednesday. Yeah, it was 6 p.m. that night, and I think Montgomery was like 90 minutes before. So okay. it falls okay. in line. Yeah, that's yeah that, that timing does check out. That's and really interesting. Madison didn't tell me that the Vikings were in on Montgomery, but he was basically saying that that was the domino that fell and that I don't – he's like, I don't know what the Vikings were doing, but 
they came to me with the offer after the Montgomery deal. Okay. The one that okay. I would take basically. Yeah. And I think it had been reported that they were in on him on Montgomery at the time. So okay. yeah, that would all seem like it would check out. So in Madison's not played well. There's just no, no. bones about it. No, like he, he hasn't between the, the drops, no. the fumbles at the beginning of the year, um, His moments have been as a receiver. Yeah, him just week. not creating, not running through people at the line, not hitting the hole, whatever. And, and O'Connell talked about the blocking, and he said that sometimes we need to block better or we need to understand the intention of the play and carry it out better. So it's on everybody. It doesn't take – it takes 11 – you know, the cliche is it takes 11 people to make a good play. It takes 11 people to make one of the league's worst run games. Yeah. And that's where they've kind of been at where, frankly, sometimes it's been O'Neal um, it's been some other better guys that have, have kind of, or Hawkinson and O'Neill running into each other on a, on a polling play. A couple of those last week. I mean, it's just, it's stuff that you just shake your head and go, okay, don't you guys practice this since May, you know, yeah. and, and you guys are still kind of not executing these things properly. And so I think a lot of it is if you had a Brees Hall, if you had, uh, uh, even maybe a Camara, maybe if you had a dynamic runner, runner still back there. I think Cook, though, had just fallen off the edge last year that we just we weren't seeing him create outside of these 80-yard um, plays once in a blue moon. Right, right. And that some of that is you hit a crease and your vertical speed takes over. It's um, not necessarily just creativity. It's maybe the Colts one maybe the exception there. Yeah. Uh, you had a question uh, that you wanted to get to here. Yes. Um, Jeff sent this, um, I think, last week, but it's still relevant. Is there any way the Vikings can retain Captain Kirk, Hunter, plus Jefferson to a long-term agreement? It seems like the Vikings have had cap issues for the last five years. They have had cap issues for, yeah, probably the last five years. Um, (laughs) There would be a segment, um, perhaps someone down in Kentucky, that would point out they signed a quarterback five years ago to a long-term deal that – some people in the building were not fans of at the time. So uh, we should give voice to that piece of it. That's not the reason I think they've had that many cap issues. Uh, he's like the 15th highest quarter paid quarterback in the league right now. They paid a lot of defenders, including off-ball linebackers, including um, they paid running, and this is not a defender, but running backs, tight ends, those types of things that have led to dead money and not had a lot of cap space to play with for most of that period. So... Uh, that is part of the equation there too. Could they do it? Yes, I think they can. Um, like we've talked about, Cousins, there is a way to sign him a, to a deal that actually lowers his cap number for next year. The question is, what kind of a deal does he want? Uh, how does he structure it? That's a question. Um, Jefferson's at like an $18 million cap number next year anyway. So again, you're not launching his cap number to $20 million above where it is now, in all likelihood, the way you structure that thing. Um, Hunter is tricky. I think you could do it. I, I think there's a way to fit it all in. Um, does he want to be here? What kind of a – does he want top of the top of the top of the market or just something close to that? Do you want to pay him long term? Uh, Quasi has not really signed a lot of players – at that stage of things to big deals that stretch into their early 30s. So that would be a question there too. Is there a way they can do it just surely? I mean, to take your question to face value, is there a way they can do it? Yes, I think there is. Um, There's also dead money with Hunter that would get switched around a little bit if they were to sign a deal there too. 
it's tricky because they have a lot of other needs and I think they have liked the idea of cap flexibility. I mean, you have ownership that I think is ready to see what that looks like a little bit. And you have a coach and a GM that have spent two years. I mean, so far they're 18 and eight in the regular season, despite the fact that they have had cap issues since the day they walked in here. So I wonder at what point they're going to say, you know, it'd be nice to just have a, a blank slate. That said, um, if the way that you get a blank slate is getting rid of a guy that is on his way to a career high in sacks and a quarterback that was playing his best football of his career here before he tore his Achilles, there's some questions about that too. You can't just say, well, we got the cap space. Everything will be fine. There's an opportunity cost to all of these things. We would say Daniil Hunter is better than Montez Sweat. We would. Right? Uh, yes. He just signed for $24.5 million with Chicago. Oh yeah, that's um, a good point. That is the mark that goes right under Miles Garrett at $25 million. Now, it's hard to argue that Daniil Hunter is better than Miles Garrett. I would say Miles Garrett is better. The four names above Montez Sweat are Miles Garrett, Joey Bosa, TJ Watt, and Nick Bosa. Um, in terms of average per year for pass rushers, that is twenty five. That stretches from twenty five million for Garrett all the way up to thirty four million for Nick Bosa because he became the highest paid non quarterback in football. Right before the Vikings broke off talks <laughs> with the same agency that represents Justin Jefferson. So there's a there's a tier there of Garrett twenty five million a year, Bosa Joey Bosa twenty seven million a year, and then T J Watt twenty eight million a year. That seems to be the range that if I'm Daniel Hunter or a team, you're thinking. That's realistic for a 29-year-old Daniil Hunter. You're not a 25-year-old. We're not going to sign you to a big five-year deal you know, at that price. If you're going to get your top-tier price, it's probably going to be with a shorter team control of three years or something yeah. like that, you would assume. Yeah, I would think so. And maybe Daniil would want that to then hit the open market one more time before he's too old. Um, so at that point, yeah, you're still looking 25 to maybe $28 million a year. For Daniil. That does make things tricky. Because I mean, Montez Sweat theoretically set a floor of $24.5 yeah, million. Yeah, I think that that's probably right. He's going to clear. Yeah, I think you're right on that. The question, I guess, with him would be, could you get to a number that would make him happy and also use the triggers that you would send Rob Brzezinski to his lab to figure out to not have that cap number be quite as high. Hunter has, I believe, void money next year of well, his cap number is only it's 14.9 for next year. So if you sign him to a deal, seven and a half million of that basically would come off of the cap for next year. So are you able to get him to something where it doesn't send it flying that high. Um, I mean, could you get him at a cap number of twenty million next year? I mean, maybe. Um, how much do you want to push into twenty five, twenty six? Is probably the question there. Yeah, and how much do you want to commit to a guy who is twenty nine years yeah. old? But Brian Flores loves him and said he's coming off his best game of the season in Atlanta. He is also not somebody that you have to worry about taking care of his body. True. I mean, generally. Um, seems to be in, in decent shape. It does, unlike ours. Well, mine, I should say. Sorry, yeah, speak not, to, for speak, yourself, not man. to speak for the cross-country runner here. Boston um, Marathon qualifier, thank you very much. <laughs> I just try to be a little, hey, you know, I, I, I can run to the fridge. Yes. To the fridge. No, um, you run farther than that. 
<laughs> Give yourself a little credit. <laughs> Thank you all for checking out this episode of the Access Vikings podcast. Please check out all of our work at StarTribune.com. We will talk to you next time from U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday. Thank you.